This transmission is unrehearsed and unedited and is hereby begun without further comment as to its lack of moral value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, some KendallCast special coverage of the uh, 2020 Star Wars CCG MPC. Uh, today, I'm here with uh, your real name is Sean Mackin, right? That's the one. London Sean on the forums. Hey. All right. So, <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about your background with uh, Star Wars CCG. Sure. So um, I started in about '96. I, I got into it just after uh, just after New Hope, just before Hoth. Um, I was sort of one of those kids that, that probably got the VHS of Star Wars from his parents at the exact right sort of moment in life. So I was a, a Star Wars person before I was a, a gaming person. I think I was walking past the shop and, and they had a, uh, a scry in there that had this. I mean, basically, I was at that stage where if I saw anything with the Star Wars logo, I was probably going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought that and, and um, this idea of being able to, to buy cards and play a game with them just blew my mind. So um, sort of sold what meager possessions I had to get some starters and uh, started to play with my brother and it sort of went from there. Um, uh, in 97, I moved to the States. So I moved to San Jose, California and, and played with the, the Northern California crew for a couple of years, played a lot of tournaments at San Francisco State University in around the Cloud City, Jarvis Palace area. So when I see guys like Paul Todd Feldman, uh, playing, it's, it's good to see some of the old guys there. I remember, uh, taking a Walker Garrison deck against him and getting absolutely smashed, um, in a, in a tournament in Mountain View, um, moved back to Australia in around 2000 and, and, and continued playing through there right until when the license expired. Um, when the license expired, it pretty much dovetailed nicely with me joining the army. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was probably a, a bit of a, a good jumping off point for me. So I sort of, uh, walked away from the, from the game at that point. And, and, I, and I mean, a lot of the game for me was, was buying the boosters and, and buying the boxes and, and sort of cracking them open. So, um, I, the sad thing for me was I, that we lost the license probably just as I had enough money to buy a, right. a box of cards. Right. Um, and I was just sort of ready to, ready to, to, to come into the scene with, mm-hmm. with, uh, some freshly minted rares and yeah. it was all swiftly taken away from me. You, you know, it's, um, it's kind of interesting cause I'm the exact opposite of that where I, mm. I was kind of, I was kind of too, I'm probably a little bit younger. I was w- once the license was gone, you know, a year or two after that, when eBay was becoming a thing, uh, mm-hmm. and booster boxes were about $20, a piece. Yeah. That was the right price for me. I bought a lot of <laughs> a lot of twelve dollar Jabba's Palace booster boxes. And I mean oh, that for me is kind of what why I was able to play in in yeah. uh in that you know when I was in high school with no job. I, I wondered if a bit of it was also to do with your local scene. So I remember in, in Melbourne in Australia we we probably had about seven to eight regulars mm-hmm. in the city and we'd have some people floating in and out and We'd usually bring the person that we'd send to Worlds from Australia that year. So look, a couple of of genuinely good guys, good players there that would 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 regularly make the trip. But once they started to 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 pull away from the game, there really wasn't you know there's not the population there mm. to sustain that kind of game unless you're actively going out and, and recruiting players. And, right, right. You know, with with the license going, I think a lot of people. I definitely went down that line of, well, you know, I'll give Lord of the Rings a try. I'll mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. Trek a try. I'll, I'll sort of try anything to keep the sort of decipher thing going. But, um, but then once I, once I, I left to join the army, it sort of, uh, sort of disappeared. And then I, I probably, you know, coming back to it, I probably went down a similar pathway to a lot of people, which was, you know, I, 
moved on and had the, the wife and had the kids and was visiting home in Australia. I live in the UK now and uh, was visiting visiting the folks. And they said, you know, you really got to clean that crap out from your bedroom. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I went through and I found this old sort of custom made box that still had these sort of random dusty cards in there. And, and I sort of thought that evening, I was like, I wonder, I wonder what happened with that. So I, I went Googling and went down the usual rabbit hole. You know, mm-hmm. I went to the, the ringer article and discovered the, the committee and, and, uh, and stubbed, discovered Jamp. And, and then, uh, I played my first sort of, um, back in the fold tournament last year in Liverpool, and, and ever since then it's been, you know, uh, twelve losing games on OCS every month, and, and just getting 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 games in ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, it's 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 really nice to be back. I was a terrible player back in the day, and it's good to see that nothing's changed. <laughs> well, the nice thing is the nice thing is with Gemp uh, because I definitely, I mean, I was I was in and out of the game throughout this you know throughout this whole time you know i'll be i'd be in for a year and then out for a few years i've been out for about five years till like till i came back last year but like it's like every time i come back to the game like maybe i can find one person locally who played back in the day or whatever and we're like of similar level and then i'm like spending the entire rest of the time either recruiting people and just like they don't stand a chance against me because the better player always wins in star wars cards or driving mm-hmm. three states away so that I can lose, you know, <laughs> so that I can, yeah, go zero and twelve or whatever. So yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, Gemp is just such a is just such a great thing because I love playing casual tables in Gemp because I sometimes win now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's fascinating to watch. I mean, I, I know one of the interesting conversations is how it accelerates the meta because because mm-hmm. I remember you know back in the day. The idea of, of understanding. I remember knowing that deck tech was a thing, and nobody mm. else knew that deck tech was a mm. thing, and that was your big secret weapon because you come in with some insane, just random deck yeah. that nobody yeah. locally is, is is ready for. Um, but but you know, it's 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 definitely it, it's probably the single best innovation that that I've seen. What what I suppose I missed out on was was um, you know all of the error before, so so sort of all the hard work that people have gone through, and and also even just you notice um, a conversation I'm having fairly regularly with people is you know you you now you know back in the day I was playing against people who probably had three to four years worth of rips. You're now playing people who have been playing for twenty years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've played everything, they know everything. Mm-hmm. So so the the caliber of player that exists right now makes it. I mean it's it's a hard enough game. The 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 barrier to entry and the, the learning curve is hard enough as it is, but then when you step into camp and the kinds of people that you have the opportunity to play against, it's great, but you really have to wade through that muck and get through mm-hmm. losing those reps before you start to, mm-hmm. to actually sort of get yeah. some sort of confidence uh, with the game. So it, it definitely – it's a blessing and a curse in a way. Well, yeah, and not only – before Gemp, not only did you have uh – people who hadn't you'd go to an event and you'd had people who you know they'd been playing for five years or whatever versus the 20 mm-hmm. years now you would also go to events and people had even the people who had been playing for 10 years maybe they hadn't played an actual game of star wars cards in six months yeah and with gemp you can log on every single day and get games in um at any time of the day i, I it's the it's the middle <laughs> of the day here and i played i played a game at the casual tables early, earlier this morning so um, yeah. so what, uh, what is it that, uh, made you kind of fall in love with Star Wars CCG over, over a diff- over a different game? You said that you had, you'd tried, tried Lord <coughs> of the Rings and some other stuff around, around the time yeah. of the, the license, but what, what's made you, what's made you kind of stick with Star Wars as the, as your main, I, 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 th- I think in reality, probably a lot of it is is the license itself. It's it's the content. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I'm probably a Star Wars person first, and a, and a CCG person second. But that being said, you know, um, 
I, I, I did get quite deep into a couple of those. I was, I was a tournament director for Trek in the Bay Area for a couple of years um, and really tried. But, but I think it's, it's the, the, the mechanics of it. The, um, it, it is a complex game and it really does test you. I, I, uh, I have an, an eight-year-old daughter. And she's recently discovered Pokemon, so I, I sort of begrudgingly had to pick up Pokemon and mm-hmm. um, had to learn that because she'd sort of say, you know, Dad, you're you happy to play Star Wars? Surely you'll sit down and play Pokemon with yeah, me. Yeah. You know, come on, come on, man, you can do it. Um, and and just w- what I find with Pokemon is is it's a, it's a good game. It's a fun game. For, oh yeah, for, yeah, for what it is, it's absolutely a fun game. But but I find playing a couple of decks, it, it gets, it gets very repetitive. It's mm-hmm. very, it, it feels very, I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. If we sort of collide, that's great. But, but it, 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 it doesn't lack that same sort of interactivity that, that I found with, with the way that star Wars is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's sort of, that's what keeps bringing me back to that game is, is, you know, I, I've played the same Pokemon deck for the last month and, and then I, had, I just had to put it down. I was just, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't mm-hmm. play this anymore, but, I've been playing the same Star Wars deck for the last couple of months and I'm excited every time somebody picks up a, a casual table to, to continue playing it, to continue developing it. So yeah. um, that's probably that's probably what, what brings me back to it again and again. Okay. Uh, what are your uh, – I've got, I've got two, uh, a couple of questions that are a little bit more about the here and now and going into the event. Um, what are some mm-hmm. of your thoughts of the of the current uh, the current state of the of the meta and, and things like that? What are you expecting to see going into this event? Um, I mean, th- this this event's going to exist in a, in a vacuum uh, to a certain degree, insofar as obviously the decks that you take to match play are going to be different to the decks that you take to a, a normal tournament. I think um, you know you're you're likely to see a lot of uh, you know, throne room hitco on on the light side. Um, you know, the, the mains bump on the dark side is going to see a lot of, of hunt down. Anything that doesn't put a large amount of cards on the table is always going to be favored in that kind of match play mm-hmm. environment. Um, in terms of the meta on the whole, um, I'll sort of echo what Matt said in the last pod and, and be grateful for the death, uh, or the, the, at least the death at the moment for, for ROPS. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, you, do, you don't want anything getting terribly out of control, uh, in the meta and sort of dominating. And, and I think it, it definitely needed to be taken down a peg so so actually i really like the balance at the moment you know you, you throw a table up and and everything has sort of it feels like everything has difficult matchups even something like no idea which is mm-hmm. probably at the, the spiker end of the light um you know can have its difficulties um with the likes of i've seen it have difficulties I, i'm not playing no idea but i've seen it have difficulties with, with court and isb um mm-hmm. so having those natural predators anytime you get that balance out there in the meta you're probably in a good place so i think the the design guys have done a phenomenal job reacting to that meta from the end of last year and, and putting it in a good place for this year and i think you'll see that through some of the deck choices yeah. uh, in the npc yeah I, I actually tried out no idea for the first time today it, it is a very strong deck uh i played very <laughs> poorly and in spite of all the mistakes i made i still i still won pretty handily so i I can definitely see where people are a little bit concerned yeah. about it. It does have kind of that feel of that really strong, but yeah, I mean, I also, I play, I play a lot of court and I've, I've beaten no idea with court a lot of times yeah. and court also has plenty of natural predator predators. So yeah. it's, it's sort of a, and, sort of a rock, paper, scissors kind and, of thing. Yeah. And, and, and you don't want it to be quite a rock, paper, scissors thing. You want, you know, you want that matchup, you know, you, you've mm. got court and you want to see throne room come up on the other side of the table and think, okay, hang on. I can win this, but I know it's going to be tough and I need right. to step my way through it rather than, well, I may as well just 
draw up now because because I'm going to lose. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I think you see similar things with No Idea that you probably saw with Matt Blasters last year, which is people are going to naturally recoil to anything that does a, a lot of particularly direct damage really quick. Like like with No Idea, you you pick up Stardust, move across, drain for two, ping for two on your second turn. You go, yeah. well, hang, hang on, yeah, that's. That's not giving much else a chance, and it was the same with with you know Matt Blasters. Matt mm-hmm. Blasters, they pop down Kylo, Saber, Gun, Ping, right, Drain. Right. It's 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 not a it's not probably whether whether you uh, like that play style or not, whether you, mm-hmm. you you appreciate that or not, it, it tends to get people's noses out of joint mm-hmm. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I I uh, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if no idea gets uh, gets knocked down a peg at the, yeah. the next yeah. release. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll definitely get knocked down a peg. It's just a matter of whether that'll be in the form of, of, of a card of anti no idea cards being printed or, yeah. uh, or in the form of a, of an actual errata. Yeah, for me, no yeah. idea. The thing that gets me is is when you deploy against no idea with a force, and then they and then they drop like three copies of those rebel trooper reinforcements <laughs> or or whatever, and just like yeah. they have a lot of characters that 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 power adds up, that forfeit adds up. And the characters have game text that's relevant. Like it's 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 just yeah. It's a lot of cards that do a lot of things, and like you know, like the beach being four strain plus one. Like why is the beach four strain plus one? Like yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of that yeah. stuff. But I but you know, it's a matter of it, it is a matter of balance. Um, so yeah. how are you personally uh, preparing for? Uh, in general, how would you do you prepare for like a match play type event or a mm-hmm. major event? And how specifically are you preparing for this event? Um, I think any, any time I've played these kinds of events before, the, the natural conclusion is usually, um, to, to, you know, to, to echo what Matt said in the last pod, to, to take what you're comfortable with, to take what you know, um, you know, that old adage, you, you're going to play better with something that you know that you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, irrespective of, of the matchup. Um, I suppose with this specific NPC, so, so I'm one of the, I think, uh, Chris Gogol, I'm saying I'm one of the two European players, uh, involved. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely, I'm probably never going to be able to justify the outlay of cost for, for a flight for, for the NPC, um, from the UK to the States, you know, worlds. Sure. I think, I think there's, there's definitely an argument to be made with the family for, for putting some money out, but for the NPC, probably not so much. Um, so, so this is a real sort of opportunity for me to, to, to take a swing. And, um, I, I kind of, I made the remark, um, to, to someone that the minute I didn't find out I was a 16 seed, I already felt like I kind of won the tournament. Um, I was just grateful to, and that's nothing, nothing against the guys mm. who were 16s and 15s, but, but I was just stoked that I was, I, when I was a 14, I, I sort of had to rub my eyes and sort of, sort of double check. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the way that I've approached it is, is to, to talk to a couple of people and get a bit of a, a feel for, for who I'm playing and what they're likely to play and, and to consider some of my, um, sort of deck and individual card choices that way. Um, because I suppose, again, you know, one, one of the reasons why people here might not have played is, is round two is at about 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm. Um, so if I was silly enough to actually win somehow, um, I'd then need to sheepishly explain to my wife who I absolutely told <laughs> there is no way I'm going to be up to some silly hour playing, um, not only pushing pieces of cardboard on a table but virtual ones, um, but that wasn't going to be the case. So I'm definitely taking a real sort of – um, round one or bust. You know, when right, you're a 14 right. seed, I think that's the way. You know, I, I appreciate guys at, at the pointer end would would take something through that they need to get through the day with. I, you know, I, I'm I'm there for round one and I'm mm-hmm. probably out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm definitely taking that approach um, to to my particular matchup, and and it's as much an opportunity for me to learn as anything else. To be right. perfectly honest. Right. 
Yeah. So you said two in the morning. So, uh, if if you were if you were to win, I would hope I would hope that you were playing like a deck that's like maybe easy to play, like not one that <laughs> not one that's like you know like Legend where you have to like every every single yeah. turn you're looking it's like okay this is this card you know this card is it which do I put on top of which pile and which. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's necessary. It's, it's interesting. I, I had a conversation. I was talking to Justin Branch about this. Mm. He's one of the other guys in the UK, Silvergun, for those of you who, who know him. Um, and we quite often play a lot of our games. You know, we finish our games. If we play one game, my, my games probably finish at 11.30 midnight because mm. because that's when people on the East Coast of the US start to, to come into the lobby, particularly if you want to play your OCS games. So yeah. I'm probably quite accustomed to, to making bad decisions while very, very tired. I have, <laughs> I have three kids. You know, I have an eight-year-old, I have a two-year-old, and I have a nearly a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, um, sleep, sleep deprivation is not something uh, that, that's that's a, as much of a challenge for me as I think it, as it could be for others. Um, but but yeah, you, you would you would like to hope that that would inform my deck choices, but but probably not. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's fine. I think I mean Star Wars is a hard game. I I don't really think right now there is a deck that is. Uh, super easy to play and another deck that's that's pretty good but but super hard to play i mean i guess you know obviously mains decks are going to be a little bit a little bit easier to play than something Mm -hmm. a little more complicated but like you know now that rops is down a peg like i think i always thought of that as a deck that like you have a lot of decisions in in there um something like something like if if you really wanted to you know I, i always say to people if anybody comes onto the forums, they say, what's an easy deck to learn mm. to start with? I usually say something like EBO mm. because with EBO, you're deploying under the street. You've probably got a couple of turns before you're really going to need to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty much autoplay turns one, two, three, if you're unlucky. Mm. Um, so that sort of gives you the opportunity for the caffeine from the seven Red Bulls that you mainline <laughs> before the, the game to, to kick in and you can actually start making informed decisions. Mm-hmm. That's that's an interesting thought. See, I always think I kind of think the opposite. Like that's why I like twelve card decks, um, even if yeah. they're bad. You know, I always I always am like, okay, could this deck be used with a twelve card? No, it can't. But my <laughs> but I love my but the reason when I first got back into the game that I did the twelve card start with light side is mm-hmm. because I know what the cards because then I know what the cards on table do that I have, which is the yeah. throne room, and that's all. You know, yeah. and uh, and I can focus on what my opponent's cards do as opposed to like, you know, you do three effects. Maybe you have some extra stuff. Maybe you got a bunch of text from your objective. Like there's, you know, there's no way I'm going to remember all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, OK. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Chris, Chris Goglin, it's a great piece of advice. You know, Star Wars is a game of decisions. And, mm-hmm. and if you can minimize the decisions that you have to make. Um, be it use pole pulls, be it be it whatever, and that's why I actually think mains can be a really tricky one to play, particularly late at night, because because the decisions that you're making, it's not it's not as autoplay as you know, like mm. like no idea. You're probably going to a couple of sites, you're probably doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. The old rops, you, you you're sticking to Ralti, right, you're doing right. your own thing. Whereas with with mains, you know, you've got to don't overcommit, commit the right amount of resources to the mm-hmm. right side at the right time. You, know, you you do need to be quite sharp with it. Yeah. So uh, I, I tend to be on the side of uh, Mains is tricky to play, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you're newer. Yeah, yeah, it's I don't know. It, yeah, it's 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 complicated because I guess you're making more decisions with mains, but there maybe are fewer, you know, fewer bonuses spread spread yeah. across the board. Yeah. So you're like, okay, <clears throat> do I want you know which which character that all the card all the numbers that are printed on the card actually mean what they mean? You know, I don't have to worry yeah. about who's forfeit plus two. But anyway, um. Yeah. 
So let's move into the uh, the Pivo questionnaire uh, that uh, uh, James Lipton of Inside the Actors Studio uh, would ask ask a, a questionnaire to all of his interview people. So I'm doing uh, yep. I've adapted it for Star Wars cards. So uh, first first question: What is your favorite card? Um, it's it's actually funny. You're just talking about uh, decisions. I, I really like uh, Force Push. Um, control tunnel vision. I, I hate it when I hate it when you're in a situation where um, there's, there's a single solution in your deck and you can't find it. You, you're stuck. You're locked out. You know everybody's been in that that game where you're playing against a control deck. Um, I, I played a, a hit go game last night where somebody used uh, image of the dark lord and dark waters on uh, my endor site, so it was drain minus two. And I sort of thought, well, I. You know, and and he went to, he went to space. There were no other battlegrounds on the table, and I, I knew I had some stuff that that could help with it, but it wasn't in my sixteen card hand, and I knew exactly where it was. And mm-hmm. and if you don't have a mechanism like that, you you find yourself you know not not to draw on the Pokemon analogy, but if you don't have enough energy, you just sat there drawing right. a card every turn, right. waiting for you know it, it it's not a great experience. So so I really you know I really like that situation when you you've got. Um, you know, they've got an undercover spy and you're desperately looking for that mess or, or sniper and you can, you can force push and, and you have to think about the, you know, you're going to lose a resource mm-hmm. for that opportunity. So it's going to set you back. So I like the, I like the cost of it. I like what you get out of it. Um, they're, they're some of my favorite mm-hmm. ways of keeping the game moving, which right. I think is always right. anything you can do to keep people in a game, um, and, and not have it sort of peter out. I'm, I'm always going to mm-hmm. be a fan of, and that's why they're, they're my favorites. Yeah. Those, yeah, those cards, uh, force push point man, uh, the, uh, the use, the use pile pulls. Yeah. When I first came back to the game, that's one of the biggest differences I feel like between the sort of pre reset legacy meta versus now, mm-hmm. In the legacy meta, there was a there were a lot more uh, pull chains, so you'd have mm-hmm. you'd get your you'd get the cards you needed, uh, but it mm-hmm. was because you know the slave one would just pull Boba Fett, you know, yeah. like it was it was you know you it was very very consistent as opposed to now you have those which which honestly feel a little bit they all they all they remind me of magic cards in a way almost <laughs> like magic yeah. has a lot of that that sort of effect and. It, it creates it creates those interesting decisions, those interesting costs. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it makes people play slower, but that's that's okay. That's interesting because yeah. that's very similar to uh, what CRG said. His favorite card was the, yeah. the use pile pull cards. What is yeah. your uh, what is your least favorite card? I don't. It's interesting. I I, I don't think I have a least favorite card. I, I I think what I have is is any time a deck gets. Too big in the meta. Any any time, you know, um, and and you know, echoing CRG from yesterday, you know, um, Rops Rops was frustrating not because it was a good or a bad deck. It was because, you know, and and maybe this reflects more on me than, than the deck, but I, but I never really came up with a way to beat Rops. Mm-hmm. So so I found any time Rops came up in an OCS game, it was just you know, I, I get to play one game a night probably. Um, it's probably going to take a couple of hours. It means I'm, I'm going to get to bed at like 11, 30, 12. I'm going to be working about 5.30 by one of the kids. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you fire up that game and you see they're playing ROPS and you just you just can't help but face palm and you just go, oh, man. So, it's, so it's, it's, I'd say it's probably not a particular card. Like I, I have no I, I have, uh, I have no argument against Monarch Grimtash. Mm-hmm. I have no issue with limited resources. Okay. Uh, I, I have no issue with those kinds of things or, you know, ridiculous Destiny Adders and those kinds of things. I think, you know, you can tech against those. 
But anytime I, I never I never played in either um, the sort of the the agents of the Black Sun worlds or you know even the crazy operatives worlds. I remember mm-hmm. hearing about that. You know, anytime one thing gets out of control, that's that's what I sort of just go, okay, hang on, you know, we've got some issues here, and maybe I'll pull back and play less games as a result of that. Okay. Uh, what uh, what types of cards uh, sort of stimulate your creativity when it comes to this game? Yeah. Um, I think anything it, – it's interesting. You were talking about uh, the 12 card start. I think anything anything that changes up the start, I'm, I'm always excited by. So obviously slip sliding away in, in the last set is it, a great example of that. But but anything takes anything that takes us away and enables a bit of creativity outside of well, I'm just going to start this objective and it's going to give me everything that I need. Right, you know, right. any anything that anything that could cause you know you, you come up you come up against a deck and somebody started something really random and you just go wow where is right where is this going to go that's that's right. where you can start to see like I love I love um, people who started playing Camino and you just go that's cool that's <laughs> That's that's I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. Even if even if it's just force generation, you just go. You know, anything anything that disrupts that start, anything that even if it's something like you know surface defense, careful planning, combat readiness, these kinds of things where you're just shaking things up a little bit. Um, that always it, it it gets me to sort of think a little bit differently about what's available and what kind of choices you have available to you in terms of deck building. It's always exciting when people do something like that. So um, I you know add my voice to the to the chorus of people with the kudos for for slip sliding away. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic yeah. move. Yeah, when card. I saw yeah when I saw that card, it, I was in I was in play testing and and it, and uh, when I saw that card first, I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. It it, yeah. it feels like it's a balanced card with and it feels like it's breaking the rules. But it's mm-hmm. you know, but it's fine. Um, uh, so what uh, what what kind of cards sort of uh, turn you off, make you want to quit the game? Yeah, it's it's again, it's probably probably not the cards, probably probably the decks. It's probably mm-hmm. those dominant decks that that you know, um, if if you're at my player level, you, you you're probably teetering on the edge at the best of times. Anything that makes you feel that you don't even have a chance, right? That's right. that's always going to push. It's always going to push the people like me towards the bottom end of the mm-hmm. scales mm-hmm. away. Um, but again, the the PC does such a good job of of you know keeping an eye on these kinds of things, and it's it's it seems you know relatively rare that this kind of thing comes along. So uh, so no, I, I guess the only other one that the, the one that comes to mind that this sort of drives me away is um, I, was, I was thinking about this is um, things like all wings report in dark light of spin. Uh, was that short range fighters watch back? Uh, I'm not a massive fan of substituting destinies. Okay. Um, main, mainly, mainly because I, I, I like the random. Like the, the point of destiny is that there's an element of randomness, so, mm-hmm. unless you have the skill to track. Right. Right. What, when you get to substitute your destiny, you know, with, with the exception of like Jedi Test Five, I think any any time you, you you get to just go, well, my destiny is now seven. Mm-hmm. It kind of mm-hmm. takes that either the randomness or the skill away, that's the kind of thing. Whereas if we started to see that kind of thing become more common, which I can't imagine it would, but if it did, I'd probably sort of say, well, you know, now, now you're, you're sort of making it autoplay right, and right. taking that random. I, th- I think you need that, that randomness in the mm-hmm. galaxy still mm-hmm. in there. So it, that would be the kind of thing that would probably push me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you, and with, so your problem, your issue with substituting destinies doesn't have anything to do with them getting around the, destiny limiters it's it's more the it's more the element of randomness i mean i mean being able to limit both sides to one destiny and then substitute your destiny as a six or a seven Mm -hmm. i i'm not a fan of that at all um because because the the in my mind the point of something like justice or evac control Mm -hmm. is to reduce the multiple destinies to one right and put you both on that balanced playing field 
but you've not balanced the playing field because you're now substituting the destiny. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of taking the concept effectively of destiny out of out of the control of the randomness of mm-hmm. whatever card. Because because even if you're a skilled tracker, and I'm not at all, mm-hmm. but even if you were a skilled tracker, there's a chance you know that you, you flip that card. You've always got that brief moment of, hang on, did did I track that right? You, you're taking that whole skill sort of element right, out by right. just saying, no, my my de- irrespective of what comes up, my destiny is going to be six or seven, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I, I think that that misses one of the the key elements that makes Star Wars Star Wars, which is that that flipping over that random element of it, and and I think that's an important piece to keep. All right, um, what is your favorite Star Wars term? <laughs> I was going to say midichlorians, but I don't think you can really get away with that. I don't think that's true anyway. Um, I love I love saying geek. I really just love saying geek. Um, I'll make a big, big play out of playing geek, and, and I do regularly. Uh, or root leaf, which was uh, Yoda stew. Good, good, uh, good fun saying root leaf. I, I do have a habit of saying to my wife more than often, sorry about the mess. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, she'll come into the kitchen and I'll just be like, sorry about the mess and flick her a coin and she won't understand the reference at all. Um, and I say, I say to my kids more than, more than regularly, um, I've got a bad feeling about this. If you know, you're driving down the highway and a bit of rain comes around, I'll just turn around and go, I've got a bad feeling about this. And my daughter would just sigh and go back to her book and ignore me. And she's, she's learned well. She knows, she knows, she knows what to do with me now. All right. Well, what, um, what opponent's deck do you love to see? Um, this is, this is a tough one. Probably at the moment, probably caught. (laughs) Um, I've been playing Hitco in the OCS for a while. Mm. It's probably the only, the only matchup I feel remotely comfortable with. There's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing on the light side where I sort of go, uh, oh, great. Uh, old allies, happy, happy to play against, uh, control to the maximum. There's, there's nothing on that side, but, but caught, um, I, I sort of feel fairly comfortable with with what court wants to do how and, and how I can get around it so um, I think um, I, I think court is strong but but as long as people play mains and and hicko it's it's always going to be a bit of a worry yeah. for it so uh, court at the moment is the one where I sort of just go I, I, I might actually get a win for an mm-hmm. evening mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah the nice thing about the mains versus court matchup, is so often when you play mains, it's about not deploying. It's about you're like mm-hmm. I, I need to wait one more turn yeah. before I play before I play Obi Wan and Qui Gon and Luke or whatever. But against Court, you want to play especially with Hitco. You want to deploy Luke t- as yeah. early as possible. A turn turn one if you can, um, and and then and then just keep throwing guys at the audience chamber, which is a lot of fun, and really only works in that matchup. Um, but I, but I like, I like that court court's not without its tricks, you know, oh, like yeah. you, you, you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know, I've got, I've got Luke, I've got his stick, I've got Ray with stick. I've got a, sorry about the mess combo. I can, mm-hmm. I can really mess some stuff out now. And then they drop Greedo and you go, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, whatever. So, so it's not, it's not without, you know, I think you guys were saying yesterday, you were saying to Matt, you know, like you do have to play it tight. You, right. you, you don't get to just sort of relax and go oh cool that's that's mm-hmm. i can bank a win on that you know you do have to play it tight so i actually quite quite like it as a matchup it's good fun it's not as as sort of knockdown dropout as, as say you know um throne room versus uh hunt down where you just 
trading back and forth mm-hmm. on the same site and it's just a matter of sort of who who runs out of characters first it's it's not quite so bad as that so mm-hmm. it's it's probably more fun in in my opinion at least yeah anyway. yeah the throne room versus hunt down for me is always it always comes down to whoever deploys the first character loses like <laughs> almost um, unless you're deploying the first character as a way to bait out your opponent to deploy yeah you know a little bit earlier than they could for a counter beat but uh yeah all right um so what uh what opponent's deck do you hate to see um at the moment it's probably the uh it's either imperial entanglements which was has recently come back so as somebody who only started playing again last year um i'd never really seen it a great deal so uh so when i see that i sort of think okay i'm gonna struggle with this a bit or or the uh the slip sliding away version that plays walkers on hoth is is another one that i've probably had a bit of difficulty with lately and it's it's mainly because um, I, I have traditionally struggled to take walkers out. You know, under attack works in your control phase. So you got to keep com- somebody with a stick uh, alive through to your next control phase, and and even then you've got to track a destiny to get rid of. And and if it's something like Blizzard too, you're probably not going to be getting rid of it anyway. Um, Chewie with gun is great, but his his defense value is so low yeah. that they'll usually get rid of him anyway. Um, so, so anything with walkers, I, I see walkers come up and, and, you know, maybe this should be the nudge for me to learn to play Imperial Entanglement so I can come across people like me and who will have an equal mm. difficulty with me. But, but I, I tend to find anything with walkers and I think it's the way that it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to wander up. You know, I, I get frustrated with something like, um, you know, how easy it is to take Star Destroyers out of space because those things are supposed to be huge. They're supposed right. to be difficult to take out. You should be able to drop a couple of Star Destroyers and lock down a system. Walkers should be the same thing on the ground. Like you should struggle to take out a walker, but their deploy cost is high. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that value piece. But yeah, anytime I see those two decks come up, I, I sort of just go, oh, mm-hmm. no, "This is." I need to really think about how I'm going to step my way through this because well, I have limited shots at getting right. rid of these. Right, and and you know, you you say maybe this is why you should learn to play Imperial Entanglements. Well, <laughs> the other thing about learning to play Imperial Entanglements is if you play a new deck and then you lose then you'll know what to do to lose to, to make the other yeah. person lose, you know, yeah. uh, which that's, I mean, that for me is, is, uh, is always a, is always a big thing. Even if I'm not going to, you know, even if I'm not going to like really learn a deck, if I just, if, if I play, if I play against a person, if I feel like I'm losing to a deck every time I play, mm-hmm. um, then I build that deck and one of two things happens either like what happened with no idea this morning. I'm like, Oh, it's because this deck, has does a lot of very powerful things, you know, yeah. or I'll be like, Oh, actually this guy was one turn away from losing the whole game too. Yeah. It's just that it felt like I was out of things, but he was also out of options when he was down to 10 force or whatever. Um, yeah. so what star Wars profession other than your own, would you like to try if, if your if your own profession was, is, is in the star Wars universe? I think, um, I think I, I would quite comfortably be one of those sort of mid-level imperial officers that gets to eat in the nice mess, but but just stay out of trouble kind of guy. Like like I think that would fit me very very nicely. I'd, I'd just rock the uniform, just stay in the background, just stay away from Vader, stay away from the the brass, keep your nose clean, but get to boss stormtroopers around. I think I think I, I would be quite comfortable and quite happy. You know, it's not the Wild West. You 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 okay? You might do some evil stuff occasionally, and let's try to avoid doing that kind of stuff. But but I think yeah I, I think uh, you know safely ensconced on a star destroyer somewhere I'd be quite comfortable mm-hmm. with with that kind of keeping my nose clean lifestyle like, like out out in the not where you know not you're not involved in the battle of Endor or anything like you're 
you know <laughs> i'm not remotely interested in any kind of operational work i i'm i'm, I'm I, I probably join with good intentions and and a lot of naivety and find myself manning a comm station somewhere in right, some right. far-flung outpost before we get taken captured by the rebels that's fine with me just let me uh let me have my nice and mess then, eating and <laughs> then the republic takes over and then you keep your exact same job day to day is exactly just, the same look We've, we've, we've got to maintain that level of knowledge across the organization mm-hmm. and, and transition you across. And right, I'm more right. than happy to act as a diplomat across. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very soft. You do- the other department, you know, the, the, the gunner department, they all got laid off. But, but as a comms person, if, you, you know, you have if, that if skill Empire, set. If, if the Empire needs a HR department, I'm all in for it. I'm happy to, I'm happy to, to arbitrate internal, internal issues. You know, maybe ISB, maybe ISB would be where, you know, but I'd be the nice, I'd be good cop ISB. I think that's, that's where I would probably do my best work. All right. Yeah, I get, I get, I get, I get, you know, we think we're doing things that are evil, but it's okay because you've got to see the emperor's side of things on this. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. That's where I would sit. All right. So what, uh, what profession would you not like to have from the Star Wars universe? Um, I, I'm fairly confident I'd be the worst bounty hunter in, in the galaxy. I, I joined the, uh, I said I was in the army. I spent six years in the army and, and the first time they took me to the firing range, um, we, we fired, I think it was 50 rounds and then we went to the end to, to have a look at what we hit. And I had literally nothing in my target, but there was 50 extra rounds in the target next to mine. So clearly I just shot at the wrong target. <laughs> so I think if, if, if I was a bounty hunter chasing you, all you'd need to do is stand still and you'd probably be fine. All right. All right. Um, and the final question, if God exists, uh, what would you like to see him do with the game in the future? Um, I think, I'd, I'd probably part of the part of the fun for me used to be cracking the packs, and I, I think you know I, I don't think it's realistic to to want to return to that. And, and if anything, actually, I've learned with buying Pokemon for my daughter that they they come out really fast, and mm-hmm. you don't realize how expensive that is. You oh, just yeah. go, wow, it's, okay, that's another that's a another you know 120 on a box and mm-hmm. some stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, but but I suppose. I'd love to see us move down that pathway that's been mooted before, which is is playing GEMP tournaments with the cards that you earn and actually sort of leveraging that that merchant mm-hmm. village a, a bit more. I think, you know, or, or something like, I know, in, again, you know, I've talked about Pokemon a lot, but, but um, like AIs that are given out in GEMP for people that win GEMP tournaments. So, so you're the only one who has that card. Um, and, 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 you know, they look completely different. Obviously I don't know of, of, of what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed mm. to do, but, but something like that, I think really sort of, um, expanding on what we have there, uh, because GAMP is so amazing. I, I think that, that'd be, that'd be phenomenal. Um, that'd be great. Um, and I, and I know it's sort of the intention to do so. Um, but, but that's, that's the kind of thing that, that I'd love right. to see. Right. Awesome. Well, well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Sean. This was a this was a great interview. This this was uh, good 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 stuff. Uh, good luck in the good luck in the event this weekend, uh, and we'll 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 uh, we'll see you around. Kendallcast.ninja, celebrating media, hobbies, and passions since two thousand fourteen.